Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and Lord, we thank you that, that we can bring our physical needs, our problems, our lack, uh, the points, the areas where we desperately need help, the things that we're burdened about. Lord, we can take all of it and we can bring it to you. And Lord, you hear us and you answer us according to your word. And so Lord, I pray that tonight that, that uh, our time together in your word would be effective, that it would fall out to us growing, to, uh, for all of us to grow in faith. Uh, that, that, that we'd really pray in faith, that they'd be prayers of faith. Lord, I pray that, that, that we would get bold to call on you uh, to do according to the promise of your word and to be full of faith, to trust you for, and, 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 and to trust that you will perform what only you can do. Lord, we're a small people um, doing a job that you know we can never accomplish by our might or our power. Lord, we desperately need you. Lord, we admit, readily admit, without you we can do nothing. But at the same time, we know and believe that with you all things are possible. And Lord, it can please you uh, to use us for your glory. And so Lord, help us to be a people that are determined that we'll be just that. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're going to be all over the Bible tonight, so limber up your Bible, limber up your fingers. Turn to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. I want to ask you a couple questions tonight. Number one, what is God looking for? God looks for stuff. Did you know that? God's hunting for some stuff. And uh, if you do that list of the things that God's looking for, uh, it will convict you, it will bless you, it'll give you a path uh, for your spiritual walk. But I want to bring up one of those things. You remember the story of the unjust judge. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, Jesus speaks a parable unto them, Luke 18, 1, to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And uh, so Luke chapter 18 um, you know, well, let's just read the story, okay? Luke 18, I think we're gonna be okay on time. I was gonna just summarize it, but I think we can. Okay, my Bible's not limber. There we go. There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city. She came unto him saying, avenge me. Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, though I fear not God nor regard man. This is a pretty honest dude. Uh, Yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her. Lest by her continual coming she weary me. Okay, so the guy's kind of a self-absorbed jerk, but I mean, at least, you know, he's honest with himself. And the Lord says, hear what the unjust judge saith. Shall not God avenge? And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, so in other words, if this widow can go to this wicked, self-absorbed man, 
and get some justice for her trouble, for her problem, how much more can you count on God to come through for you? I mean, come on, he's not an unjust judge. He's not a wicked man. But here's the question that Jesus asked. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? A lot of times what happens is we run into a big problem in life, and what we do is we just try to handle it. And we don't want to bother anybody, and we don't want to bother the Lord, and that's a big problem. The Lord tells us to cast all our care on him because he cares for us. And so to not take our problems to the Lord in prayer is to basically say to God, I know you don't care about me. That's wicked. He cares for you. Cast all your care on him. Do you believe God? So that's the question. Will Jesus find faith on the earth? Okay, so what is God looking for? Well, he's looking for faith. That's the answer to that question. That's one of the things that God's hunting. He's looking for faith in the earth. Turn to Matthew chapter eight. Matthew chapter eight. Here's the second question. So Jesus, God is looking for faith on the earth. Second question, can our all-knowing God be surprised? Can you surprise God? Can you blow his mind? Can you freak him out? I mean, he's all-knowing. He's omniscient, right? He's omnipresent, he's everywhere, he sees everything. So can you surprise him? Can you amaze him? Can you blow his mind? Can you, can you, can you bring God to a place where he's just, his jaw drops? How many think you can? How many think no way, no how? So evenly divided. We're a divided church. Man. Okay, let's see if we can straighten it out. Christ, when he was on the earth, I mean, God becomes man, but he's still all God. You know what amazed him, what took him by surprise, what caused him, the Bible says, to wonder with amazement? It was people's faith. You wanna know what, you know what can surprise God is someone that's full of faith. So here it is, this is a Roman centurion comes to Jesus, Matthew chapter eight, let's pick it up in verse five. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. For I, he's, I, he tells him, I understand how this works. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. In other words, all I have to do is give the word, and whatever I say, it's done. I know you're that man. Look at Jesus' response in verse 10. When Jesus heard it, what comes next? He marveled. So God himself is, 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 I mean, he's amazed, he's marveling, he's wondering. And he said unto them that followed. So the people who are following the living world, he's, word, he says to them, verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not, not in Israel. So here's a guy who so believed in the power of Christ's word, 
He so believed in the power of the word of God that he knew all God had to do was speak to his problem and it was solved. It'd be taken care of. Man, if this church was full of people that knew whatever situation we're facing, all we have to do is find out what the word of God says about it and then we just call on the Lord and we trust him for exactly that and we'll have it because we're in agreement, we're asking according to his word, we're asking in faith, we'll have what we ask. This guy said, all you have to do is just speak to the need of my servant and it's done. Jesus is like, okay. And he hooks him up. So, so God is amazed by great faith. He's amazed by complete or full faith. Well, there's another aspect of faith that amazes God and that's little faith. Turn to Mark chapter six. Mark chapter six. Mark chapter six, Jesus goes to his own neighborhood and they couldn't see the mighty Messiah. They couldn't see the wonderful Christ. They couldn't see that. All they could remember was a little boy, a carpenter's son, and so what was the result? Mark six, pick it up in verse five. And he could do there, right? He could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And here it is again, verse six, and he marveled. He's a gog, right? He marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. Okay, so, you know, you think about who Jesus is. He is the guy in John chapter one. You find out Jesus is the member of the Godhead who is speaking in Genesis chapter one. You wanna talk about the power of, G, of Jesus to make his word reality? He spoke all of creation into existence, okay? Like whatever he says goes. He is the living word of God. And yet, here he is. He can't do mighty works in his own hometown. He can speak the universe into existence, but all he can do is heal a few sick folk. He can't do the mighty works that he wants to do. No, why? Well, because of their lack of faith. See, and that amazes me. Okay, so you gotta get this down. This is what we're discovering here is an incredible principle, and you need to get this down in your notes. You need to get it down in your heart. You've gotta get it down in your prayer life. The mighty God who creates the cosmos with the breath of his word still limits himself to the faith in which his people will allow him to work. Did you get that? The God who can do anything limits himself to your faith. And according to your faith, that's what it will be unto you. Whatever faith you have in him, whatever faith you have in his word, that's the extent to which God can work in your life. People ask, is anything too hard for God? Or can anything get in God's way? I mean, he's all powerful. Can anything hinder the work of God in your life? Yes, your faith. Your belief or unbelief either allows or it hinders the work of God in your life. Think about, turn to John 14, John chapter 14. What did Jesus say about his own works? John chapter 14 and verse 12, he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. 
and greater works than these shall he do because I go into my Father. Uh, I did this uh, passage in the, what's the junior high club that we were at? One to one, Club 121, yeah. And uh, I'm like, do you believe that you can do greater works than Jesus did? And we had some church kids that were like, no, no way, can't do greater works. I mean, Jesus got, I mean, he's, he's the creator of everything. There's no way. I'm like, well, what if the Bible says that you can? Well, the Bible doesn't say that. So we read John chapter 14. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And I told those kids in that junior high meeting, what the Bible said, we read the scripture together and they still said, you can't do greater works than Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) You can lead a horse to water. You cannot make him drink. (laughs) It's like what, but that boggles the mind, doesn't it? We could do something greater? Look at Christ's perspective on it, keep going. Verse 13, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. He expects us to take him at his word. You know, the Lord, the way, how did he operate in his earthly ministry? Whatever the Father said, that's what he said. Whatever the will of the Father was, that's what he did. What's well, been that way, nothing changed for Jesus. It's that way from the beginning, okay? For you and I, coming from Adam's race as sinners who have to be redeemed back into right relationship with God, this is a whole new paradigm for us. You wanna talk about a greater work to come to the place where you're just full of faith, whatever God's word says about any issue, any need, any situation, whatever the word of God says settles it in your own heart and mind, you know what you're trusting God for. And then you don't settle for anything less. Okay, so this is related to what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. We need the effectual, fervent prayer of righteous people, people who are taking God at his word. That's what we need. We need, the, we need, we need, we, we need faith-filled prayers that aren't gonna take anything less than the promise of God's word. I'm not gonna settle for anything less than the reality of that in our current need in this current situation. Is God willing that all will be saved or not? Well then we can trust the Lord for the soul of any sinner. According to your faith, be it unto you. See the problem today is we got so many people in the church who've grown faint and they don't actually pray, really pray any longer. And this is how we get into the trap of saying words at God. You know, we're in a prayer meeting, so let's pray and we'll all make our polite prayers. But nobody is charging the gates of heaven, right? Saying we have to have an answer. We already know what your word says about this, Lord. So we're not trusting you for anything less than that. When the Lord comes, does he find faith on the earth? So this is, the, this is the prayer fact, right? God will work according to your faith. Don't grow faint, don't grow weak in faith. Don't fail to ask in faith because God will work according to your faith. It's only through your unbelief, right? Only your unbelief, that's the only thing that hinders 
God's work in your life. I mean, it was that way for salvation. How did you get saved? How did you come to the place where you were, I mean, like, like, like yesterday, you were literally God's enemy. And then how did you come to the place where now you're God's child and you're one with him? Like you're literally, like read the scripture, you're, God makes you one with him. He, you, he literally baptizes you into the person of Jesus, okay? Uh, you're, he that is joined the Lord is one spirit. Okay, you are seated together in heavenly places in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus, right? He dwells in your heart through faith. The spirit of Christ himself dwells in you. Okay, so you're like, how did, how did you go from being his enemy to being made one with God himself? How did that happen? You wanna talk about a change. That is the biggest change that a person will ever experience in their life to go from enmity to friendship with God. How did it happen? Well, Jesus died on the cross. Yeah, absolutely, Jesus made a way. How did it happen? You had to exercise your faith. That's how it happened. You remember? I, don't, I remember Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved, how? Through faith. I get saved by, yeah, I mean, it's, yes, it's by God's grace, but the conduit that applies it to my life, the provision of Calvary is there. But the means, the way that it's actually applied to me is whenever I believed on the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. So at some point I recognize my sin separates me from God and there's no hope for me. I'm gonna spend eternity separated from him over my, because of my sin. That's the problem. And then I see the solution that God provides. You can't appropriate that for yourself, right? That won't be applied to you until you believe that it's for you, right? Until you believe on it, till you, until you come to the place where you're trusting in Christ alone as your sin bearer. Your belief became a conduit for God's grace. But God always wants you to go further, right? He always wants to take you further. He wants, you to, he, wants, he, wants to, he wants to go further with you. And so the bigger the faith, well then the bigger the conduit. And then he gives more grace. You remember the story of the, the, the blind men, right? You got blind men in Matthew 9. Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus said to him, believe you that I'm able to do this? And they said unto him, yea, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, see that no man know it. Again, what did Jesus tell the centurion in Matthew chapter eight, you know? He said to the centurion, go thy way, as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. God works according to the faith of his people. So how, how should we pray? Well, we should pray like the centurion did. How did he pray to Jesus? And he, how did, the blind, how did the blind people pray to Jesus? They prayed in faith. Lord, I believe you can do this. I know you can do this. Just speak the word, my servant's healed. Do you believe I can give you your sight? Yeah, we believe it. That's why we're here, you know. Let's, let's, let's get to the healing. <laughs> okay, according to your faith, be it unto you. It's incredible. Look at Matthew chapter 15. 
I mean, it's just incredible. Matthew chapter 15. Behold, verse 22, Matthew 15, 22. Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, unto Jesus, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. So first he won't acknowledge her, but she knew what to do. You know, she knew that God loves the world and that all the world would be blessed through Abraham and David. And so by faith she goes after the pastors. <laughs> she goes to the disciples. Man, pray to the Lord for me. My family's got a problem that only he, the only God can fix. And so they prayed. The disciples come to Jesus saying, send her away for she crieth after us. <laughs> They're like the unjust judge. You know, I don't want to be bothered with this lady, this Gentile. Verse 24, but he answered and said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So it looked like he's too busy blessing others to take time to help her. So she worships him. Where can I go but to the Lord? Verse 25, then she came and she worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. So then he calls her a dog on top of everything else. What I'm here to do, it's not for you, dog. But then whenever he called her a dog, she knew she had him. I mean, look at this woman, this is brilliant. Verse seven, uh, 27, she said, truth, Lord. <laughs> yeah, I may be a dog, but I'm your dog. <laughs> truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. I, I may be low on the totem pole, but I'm still part of your paradigm, and so you have to take care of me. Verse 28, then Jesus answered and said unto her, one of the greatest compliments in all the word of God, oh, woman, Great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. You see, she knew the heart and the will of God. She knew that God's heart and will matched her own. So she was gonna persevere in prayer until she had the answer that she knew was hers in heaven. She heard the rumors of Christ's ministry announcement from Luke chapter four. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him to set people like her daughter free. She knew that's what he was there to do and so she got full of faith. My daughter must be free, it's his will. And so do you see what Jesus says to this woman? Effectively, what is he saying to her in verse 28? What is God saying to this Gentile woman? He's saying to her, thy will be done. Isn't that what he's saying? Man, well how do we pray? How do we pray? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want, we want to pray for God's will to be done. Well, that's, how, that's what faith is. Whenever our will matches God's will, well then now our will is right and we have what we ask. Why did God give the woman her will, what she wanted for her daughter? Well, he's not willing that any would perish. He comes to bring life and life abundantly. You know, if you're in a dump in life, if you're in a problem in life, if you're, if you're coming up against some hardship, some trial, some need, what does the will of God, what does the word of God say about that specific issue? And then trust him for nothing less than that, for his reality over our life. Find out what the word says about the problem. Find out what you need to be trusting him for and then don't settle for anything less. Don't take anything less for an answer. And whether that takes a, a minute, a second, 
or whether that takes decades, persevere in faith. Okay, so here it is. This message I gave to a budding prayer ministry at the Kansas City Baptist Temple. So here's what happened. Um, Man, I was burdened for the urban core. I, I heard from the Lord very clearly in 2004, make disciples in the core of Kansas City, in the urban core. I don't know anything about the urban core. I don't know anyone in the urban core. I don't know, I, I, I'm literally the most ignorant person in the city about this burden that I have from the Lord. I'm like, Lord, I, you know I'm willing. I don't know what to do. And so I ran some things by the pastors there and, and uh, they said, no, we're not, we're not gonna be doing that. You know, I had this idea of doing some crosstown missions and, and getting a, a Bible study, uh, get Bible studies going or an outreach service going, find something so that we'd have a hook to start making disciples uh, in the urban core. And they said, no, that's not the approach that we wanna take. And so I didn't know what else to do. I knew what God had burdened me about. So I thought, well, we'll just pray. And the prayer ministry and the college ministry, we started with just a handful. Uh, pretty soon we had 50 to 70 regularly coming to the college prayer meeting. And, and then Wednesday nights, the Wednesday night program was coming to a close and the pastors asked, they said, would you take your prayer meeting and move it to Wednesday night? And uh, I said, yeah, that's a no-brainer. We can do that. So that would be the Wednesday night program for the Kansas City Baptist Temple. So we got organized and we did that. And um, um, once we got going for about a month or so, I realized this is what we needed to trust the Lord for. We gotta be a people that pray in faith. And, and so I shared, I, shared, I shared with them exactly what I shared with you tonight, almost word for word, okay? They heard it. And uh, I don't know what else to tell you about that season of ministry for me at the Kansas City Baptist Temple, but it was unbelievable. We, I don't know how many are familiar, you remember the building, but the fellowship hall downstairs, you could cram 300 into it. Uh, it, was, it was full at 200, uncomfortable at 250. If you had to, you could cram 300 into it. We filled, that fellowship hall filled up with people who were praying in faith. I thank God for Sam Shockley, because we were praying for souls. We're praying for revival. Um, This was at a time when most of Christianity was shifting toward a Disney-esque, good to great approach, business approach to ministry. Um, If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's okay, it's all, hogwash anyway so but I, like the the spirit of the age was if we do things right if we're sharp then God will bless us and uh, that just that whole movement round, ran counter to everything I'm reading in scripture and what I think the Bible says and it's like when will we just confess our lack and our weakness and we're not great and we're not able we're not capable can we just not call on the Lord to do what only God can do why don't we just humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and beg him for souls they're going to hell anyway why wouldn't he just give them to us so we can disciple them and set them loose to to go minister and so a, a, a 
that growing prayer meeting, they started praying for souls. We started crying out to God for souls. And uh, again, I thank God for Sam Shockley because we would make an invitation in our prayer ministry meeting and, and people would, would stand. There's no room down front because the fellowship hall was packed. We'd send them out to the hallway where one of the leaders and one of the pastors could grab them and, and people started coming to Christ in the prayer meeting. And um, one time Sam brings a young man in. I'm, I'm wrapping up the prayer meeting. We're getting ready to close for the evening. And he says, wait a minute, pastor. Uh, this young man has something to say. And this kid, at the end of the prayer meeting, he just professed Christ as his Lord and Savior. And uh, you know, tonight I gave my life to Christ. And, and of course the whole room just, <laughs> you know, everybody's wigging. Man, then, I mean, then the faith of that group grew, 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 grew even more and more people, we had more people coming to Christ in our Wednesday night prayer meetings than we did in all of our other ministry activity throughout the week. And what were we doing? What was so sharp or so effective or so powerful? Man, we were just crying out to God to do what only God could do. And God began to add to us, man, daily, such as should be saved. I knew God was leading me here several months later. Um, we, I say we, because I let it happen. We scheduled everybody out of that prayer meeting. And it happened at the time whenever we started here at Midtown. And so I'm like, well, okay, the prayer meeting moved to Midtown and it's on Tuesday night. And we started with a little handful of people. I praise the Lord for you guys that you know and believe that God hears and answers prayer. Uh, it's one of the reasons that we restored the balcony is because it was getting to be standing room only on the floor. We need room for the Tuesday night prayer ministry meeting to keep growing because because we gotta pray, we gotta call on the Lord to do what only he can do. But brothers and sisters, there is so much that is left on the shelves in the warehouse in heaven. We have not because we ask not. And what we do is we, go, we come at God half-hearted and we'll throw a little prayer at God and we don't get what we ask, we don't get what we, what we wanted, what we thought the word says, and so we're like, eh, well, must not have been the Lord's will. Is God willing that any would perish, any? That person that you're burdened for, that soul that you're desperate for, don't give up on them. <laughs> don't give up on the Lord. What God's looking for is will we hang or, we, or will we grow faint and will we quit praying? The prayer of faith, that's what God hears. The prayer of faith, that's what God wants. That's what he's looking for. The prayer of faith, that's what he answers. And so with all my heart, what I'm praying for is that we would grow in our faith, that we would grow in effectually, fervently, effectually praying, calling on God for what we see in his word to be made reality in our ministry. I'm begging you, would you pray for me? Pray for me because the time in the word, right? Would you pray that this pulpit would be anointed so that when people come in, they, they don't hear some, some reformed hillbilly, <laughs> okay, that what they hear is, is the living word of God. And that they come in and they realize of a truth, God is in this place and they fall down and they confess before the Lord. 
anything less, in terms of the description of our ministry, anything less than, yeah, I mean, I don't get it. It's a goofy people in the urban core, but God's obviously at work in that place. That's the testimony I want. Not, they're so smart, they're so sharp. You know what they're doing? Oh, it's amazing, blah, 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 blah. We don't want anybody lifting up praise of anybody or anything in terms of NBT. We want all of the glory. We want Christ alone to be magnified, amen? So we want the lost to come in and see God's in this place. God's meeting with his people. He's real in their lives, and I need what they have. Brothers and sisters, we have to pray in faith. Can we close this way? Uh, if anything, in, in terms of what we covered tonight, you got burdened over someone or over some situation, and you know what the Bible says, could you just grab somebody and say, hey, would you pray with me? Can we agree together in prayer right now? And just lift that up to the Lord in sincerity, in faith. Uh, trust him for it. And then make that a commitment. Don't, don't grow weary in well-doing. Keep that prayer before the Lord until it's a praise of testimony over answered prayer. Amen? Okay, let's pray. Just quick prayer assignment here, and then, then we're dismissed. All right? Let's get to work.